Wow. Well, welcome to Woodlands Church. Um, man, what an honor it is to get to be with you this morning. I want you to know that one of the things that I'm praying that God's going to continue to do in this place, you know, we've been praying for revival. But from the perspective of your student pastor, revival has come. Am I right? Come on. Um, as to what God's doing in the heart of our students and our student ministry and what God's doing in the heart of our church. And let me just pause for a second just to remind us that as we have been fighting all weekend to try to have the heart of a psalmist is what we really talked with our students through to be able to fight for connectedness. And you know, one of the things that I've realized about connectedness is that disconnection can come when you least expect it. Now, I'd love to tell you that all the times that you're, uh, that when I'm at home, when I'm uh, away from here, or even when I'm here at church, that you're seeing a, a model example of maturity when it comes to fighting for connection. But what you will realize is, is that's not always the case. In fact, uh, for all of us, uh, no matter how close we are and connected we are with the Lord, there is a fallen flesh that still goes with us. And for me, the way things happen when I'm feeling disconnection from my wife, when I'm feeling disconnection from someone who has hurt me and, and it comes in the most strangest of moments, I'm the kind of person who will just go into silent mode. Um, I think the record of just me and my wife not saying a word to each other is like 48 hours, and I'm embarrassed to say that. A couple of days, she might argue it was a little bit longer, but I shortened it to make myself not look so bad probably. But here's the thing, right? How, how can that be, Mark, who's set, trying to set an example for students, who's trying to set an example for your kids? How could you let that kind of disconnection, that kind of, of immaturity into your relationship? And the reality is, is that because sometimes uh, uh, things hit you in a weird way when you aren't ready for it and it just stings you and then trying to find your way back into a spirit controlled mindset can be a real challenge. In fact, uh, I'll tell you, I think the, the thing that led to the time that we were uh, disconnected for the longest time, that 48 hour period was something that really hurt me. And I'm fairly convinced that once I share with you this story of what happened between my wife and I, that you're all going to be on my side, okay? Because that's what it's about, picking sides. So here's what happened, okay? My wife had been home with the kids all day. I'd been at work all day. And one of the things that we like to do to wrap up our days, we like to watch a movie together. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for this next part. Maybe it's more embarrassing than the argument you're about to hear about, but one of my favorite movies of all time is The Diary of a Mad Black Woman, okay? I know, a bit of a chick flick, Tyler Perry, I don't know, he speaks to my soul or something, okay? But somehow that movie has made it into my soul. And so then after that, every time there was a Tyler Perry movie out, it was like, oh, this is awesome, this is exciting, you know, it, it, it makes my wife laugh, it makes me laugh, so this is a great movie for us to watch together. And he had just released one of his most recent movies, and so um, my wife um, had, you know, was putting some things together. I'd put the kids in bed, and, and so I had gone and gotten in bed and had the movie all teed up, ready to go, was ready for her to come in, for us to have a great bonding moment, because that's the kind of husband I am, thinking ahead in those kinds of ways. And so then my wife, you know, she comes to bed and I've got the movie all teed up. And then I say to her, hey, babe, I've got a movie for us to watch. And you will not believe what she said. She said, if you can believe it. Babe, I'm a little tired tonight. Could we maybe watch this tomorrow? 
did she not know the effort and the possible bonding moment that there was there? And I don't know exactly what happened in that moment, but for some reason, it just burned me. And it felt as if I'd just been stabbed with a knife, you know, just that kind of a feeling. I'm just bleeding out there in the bed. And so I gathered myself, of course, because I'm a mature Christian believer, and responded with absolute maturity. Fine. <laughs> to which she said, no, this will be great. Let's, you know, let's just watch it again tomorrow, <laughs> which I'm sure was layered with sarcasm or something. And so then she's like, what's wrong? Like, it, look, I'm just a little tired. Let's, let's wait tomorrow. And I said, okay, fine, 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 fine. I, I think that communicated that I meant it. I'm fine with that. So then what did I do? I acted further maturely and I just rolled away. Ugh. Turned off the TV and just sulked for about 10 minutes, trying to not even breathe. So then she rolled her way and then the disconnection game was on. How does it happen so fast? Maybe that's not your story, but maybe you can relate to a similar story between you and a loved one. A parent who you haven't talked with in a long time. Maybe it hasn't been two days. Maybe it's been two years. And the longer that disconnection has gone, the harder it is to believe that you're gonna be able to find that path back to connection. You know what's funny is? As I can remember trying to hold on to my anger for that 48 hours is like, I'm not the one to be able to say sorry. She needs to say sorry. And then by the end of it, getting to the point where it was like, what am I mad about again? But at that point, it didn't matter because the anger had taken hold. And once the anger had taken hold, the ability to work back through to connection can be hard. Maybe that's where you are in the room today as a parent. You're longing to experience a renewed connection with a teenager, but because it seems as though hormones have taken over their life, it feels like words have been spoken and expressed, decisions have been made, and there's a process and a, and a thought for you as to, man, where, how, where do we begin? How do we come back to connectedness? Because that's what it's all about. How do I get back to connectedness with my spouse? Yes, there's some unspoken things between us, but being able to dive through that, being able to walk through that in a healthy way, what is the path back to connectedness for me? And we studied that all weekend at the student event that we just had as we looked at the heart of a psalmist. And one of the things that was so great about the heart of a psalmist, the heart of the 150 psalms, and David who wrote so many of them, is that one of the things as David was someone who was, as the Bible refers to him in Acts, a man after God's own heart. And one of the things, the key points is why I believe David was referenced as so is because David understood what it looked like to fight for connectedness. And so we looked at the heart of a psalmist, but I want you guys to know that this morning, we're gonna go even a step deeper in what it looks like to fight for connectedness. And we're gonna move from the heart of a psalmist to the heart of Jesus and his desire for connectedness. And we are gonna look through the scripture and we're gonna look at all of the final words that Jesus spoke while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was betrayed by uh, Judas into the hands of, of the Roman centurions and who came to gather him and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are leading the way and pulling him away. And we're gonna look at his final words on the cross and we're gonna look at those things together and you're gonna see the heart of Jesus on display and how, what is necessary to accomplish connectedness. And I hope it moves you in the way that it moved me 
to be on guard against disconnection and to remember that fighting for connectedness is always worth it. And one of the things that we see from both the psalmist and the heart of Jesus is that if you're gonna experience connectedness, there are six things that we have to do. I think that we receive from the heart of Jesus and the heart of a psalmist. Number one is to be honest. I love Jesus' words on the cross. Some of the first things that we see Jesus say on the cross is this sentence here. It may ring true with you because it's also the first sentence of Psalm 22 when David was crying out to the Lord. And Jesus said this on the cross as he was being honest with the Father about where he was. It says this, about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This is the savior of the world, God's son, who's on the cross, his humanity on full display as he cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? Where is the connectedness? I feel far from you. And if we're being honest with ourselves, if we take an honest look at our lives, I believe that the truth will be revealed in each of us is that there is some disconnection between us and God. There is a place where we are and a place where God is calling us to be. And there are the things that stand in the gap that are keeping us from the connectedness that God has created you for. And in order to step into that connectedness, we have to be honest. In order to take that next step of connectedness with our spouse, with our kids, it starts with being honest on being able to express how it is we really feel. There is a lot of hurt in my life. Teenager, I feel far from you. Ever since uh, uh, you started hanging around these friends that are with you at school, parents, we say we have to be able to be honest. I feel far from you. What has happened? Where have you gone? Where has your personality gone? I feel like since you've gotten in that relationship, it's been lost. Spouses, we have to be able to be honest with each other and have an honest conversation to be able to confess to each other. Where are you? Ever since you took this job, ever since we went through this experience, it just feels like our hearts aren't connected. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And for some of us, it's not about an earthly relationship. It's about just being honest about where we are with the Lord and being able to have the same words that Jesus said on the cross, no matter what you're going through, being able to confess to the Lord, God, for whatever is in this season, for the last year, for the last month, coming in here today, or maybe the last two years, it just feels like you're so far off. My family's hurting, my marriage is hurting. I'm longing for connectedness. Where are you? You see, you have to be honest and you have to be willing to let your, your disconnections be able to come into the spotlight. But the spotlight in truth makes a lot of people feel pretty uncomfortable. When the spotlight is on your disconnection, when my wife and I were in that argument, I didn't want anyone to see what was going on. I wanted to be able to go to work and just keep it all in the darkness. I didn't want what was going on between me and my wife to peek out its ugly head. I wanted to keep that disconnection. I wanted to solve it on my own. I didn't want to bring that into the light. But if we're going to really be able to step into the connectedness that God has created us for, we have to be able to step into the spotlight. We have to be able to bring our disconnection to the spotlight. We have to be able to be honest but you don't believe me that being in the spotlight is hard? Well, what if the spotlight moved from me 
and it fell onto one of you in the crowd? Hmm? Getting anxious already? right? What if it just stopped on some random person? We asked about all of your most intimate details of what God's doing in your life and, and what, what problems you're having today and what's going on in your relationship and what's going on. We normally don't like that, but let's see if we can get a spotlight to stop on someone and we'll just, we'll bring them up on stage and ask them a bunch of questions. Oh, there you are. Hello, ma'am. <laughs> Look at that. Now on some level, right? Even if even if this sweet young lady is used to the spotlight or doesn't mind the spotlight, there is a certain level of intensity of knowing that everyone is looking at me and I'm having to deal with that situation. But you know, we'll show some mercy. We'll move the spotlight on and let's find a next unsuspecting person. Who's ready? Who took care of themselves today, right? What's going on here? Let's find a new one. Oh, hello, sir. Ah, welcome. Hmm. Yes, I love it. Yeah, now you're wondering, did I, did, I, did, I, did I brush my hair today? How did I do it, Reality Weekend? Did I get any sleep? Is it revealed on my eyes? <laughs> What's going on? Had a great weekend. Was I paying attention? Am I on my phone? Okay, yeah, I think I'm good. There's a lot of tension and a lot of pressure when we allow ourselves to be in the spotlight, to bring a spotlight into the disconnection that we feel. But listen, if you really want to step into what God has for you, that's what we have to be able to do. We have to be able to be honest and say, God, I'm hurting. My family's hurting. My connection with my teenager is hurting. My connection with my spouse is hurting. My connection with my parents, God, my family, my siblings, uh, in, with a neighbor. There's some disconnection. There's some hurt at work. God, where are you? I need you. Can we find the same honesty that Jesus was able to speak into the cross as he fought for connection with the Father and for connection with us. My God, my God, where are you? Can you be honest? We can bring the lights up and, you know, I, I think that one of the things that's really important is, is that not only are we, are we honest, but the second thing that's so important as we see and examine the heart of Jesus as to what he was able to do, is he was also, before he was able to experience that re-upped connection, he was able to speak truth. You gotta be honest and you gotta speak truth. Speak truth into your circumstances. The psalmist, David, was amazing. When David was going through the hardships in his connections, before he saw God come through, read the Psalms, read Psalm 22. You will see that the psalmist will say, God, I remember how you've come through for people in the past. I remember how you came through for the Israelites when they cried out to you and you led them across the Red Sea and you led them into the promised land and you made a way for them. I remember how you came through for, the, for my ancestors. I remember how you've come through in my life in the past. God, I just don't see how there's a way for you to come through in this moment, but I do remember that you are good. I have seen your goodness in the past. I just don't understand how your goodness is gonna come to light today. You have to be able to speak truth into your circumstances. Do you remember the principle and the mindset of what Jesus was enduring as he was hanging on the cross, what his body had endured as he had been beaten with the cat of nine tails, had flesh ripped from his skin, enduring the crown of thorns on his head, hanging from the nails through his wrist and the nails in his feet, fighting for every breath? And then there's the two thieves that are hung either side of him and one thief is tearing down Jesus saying, if you really are the son of God, then why don't you save yourself and save us and get us down? And the one thief speaks up and says, how dare you speak to him that way? 
We know we're guilty of sins, but he is innocent. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, on this day, remember me. And Jesus speaks this truth while he's enduring the pain. Remember, he has just cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? Where is the connection? I feel disconnected from you. I feel disconnected from my purpose. And then Jesus speaks this truth. And Jesus replied to the thief on the cross, I assure you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm not feeling the connection, but connection is on the way. I'm able to speak the truth that I can't see, that I can't feel. Parents, let me tell you something. Do not give up on that connection with your teenagers. Continue to fight for what's true. Do not give up for that connection with your spouse. Continue to fight for what you know that is true, that God's goodness is on the way. Speak truth into your circumstances, remembering that we have God's word full of his faithfulness to deliver on his promises full of a lifetime of God being faithful to come through, to bring us through what we've been into the seats that we're in today. Speak truth into your circumstances. It doesn't mean you have to feel it. It doesn't mean you have to see how it's gonna come to pass, but speaking truth to saying, God, I know that you're gonna come through because your promises say that they will, because your history, your character shows that you will. I don't feel it. I'm not experiencing that connection right now, but I am gonna take whatever faith I can muster and speak truth into my circumstances even when I can't feel it. That's the heart of Jesus because that's the path back to connectedness. All new heights of connectedness. But then thirdly, one of the things that we saw that you really must do is you must be able to embrace your weakness as well. You see, once you speak truth into your circumstances, that's a big part of it. Being honest is a big part of it too. But then one of the things, if we're really gonna see a renewed connection in the relationships that have fallen apart, we also have to be able to embrace what it is in us that we know is gonna be challenged to be able to be open to the connection. In the Psalms, we saw after David professed his, his love for the Lord and saying, I remember what you've done, he then followed that with this verse, I am a worm and not a man though. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I even deserve you being able to restore my relationships because I'm the one who messed up. I made a big mistake with my teenager. I made a big mistake with my kids. I made a big mistake with my spouse. How can you do this? God, I'm overwhelmed with my depression and my anxiety. I've got weaknesses and things that are going on. And the truth that you need to know is that is okay. In fact, confessing that to the Lord, reminding him that you are weak is okay because do not forget what Paul said in Corinthians, that it is in your weakness that his strength is made perfect. Listen to how Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying right before he was betrayed. He says this, he said this to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing and longing for connection longing to do what is necessary, but the flesh is weak. When my wife and I had been giving each other the silent treatment for so long, you know what I really wanted. It was to get through this argument and to get back into connection. What held me in disconnection was my pride, it was fear, bringing it up and having to relive through some of the frustrations and hurts that I had just been through. I'd rather sweep it under the rug, pretend like it never happened. What if I bring this up and my emotions get out of control? My anger takes over. 
What if it drives us into a, a whole nother level of disconnection? I want to be connected, but I'm nervous I won't be able to control my emotions as I walk through this process of trying to bring reconciliation. God, I want to experience new connection with you, but I'm nervous about my bitterness coming out, my depression coming out, my anxiety coming out. I'm nervous about being able to put this in your hands and it not happening in the way that I thought that it would. God, I need to let you know that. I'm just gonna tell you that I'm trying to muster up every bit of faith that I can to believe that you're gonna do something great in my teenager's life, that you're gonna do something great with, between me and my spouse, that there's gonna be a, a, a way of restoration, a path to a, a fulfillment in my life. But God, I'm struggling for these reasons. It is okay to embrace your weakness. You don't need to have it all together. That's not the path to connectedness. Being honest. Speaking the truth when you can't feel it and being okay with confessing, man, God, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to keep this flesh in control long enough to allow the spirit to do what he's doing. Jesus himself confessed that, but even in the midst of embracing his weaknesses, he was not afraid to ask for what he wanted. And we can't be afraid to ask God, for what it is that we're longing to see in our students' lives, that we can't uh, hold back from asking God to do what we're longing for him to do in our relationship with a loved one. We can't be afraid to ask God exactly for what it is we're longing to see him do. The heart of a psalmist is when he would confess all these things, embrace his weaknesses, and then he would say, God, please do not be far off. Jesus, too, asked God this from his weakness. Listen to what it says in Mark 14, 34 through 35. He told them, Jesus, his disciples in the garden, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me, he told them. And then he went on a little further and fell to the ground. And he prayed that, God, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. If it's possible for, for you to take this cup of suffering from me, if there be another way for you to reestablish this connection, then God, I'm asking for it to be. But as you know, as it says in parts of the other gospels, but he said, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I'm, I'm not afraid to ask you and to let you know my weakness, to be able to say, God, I'm seeing this. God, if there's a way for you to be able to restore my relationship in the way that I'm asking for you to do it, for you to bring healing between me and my teenager and into my teenager's heart and in this way, God, that's amazing. Because God, I'm not afraid to ask you for what it is that, that, I'm, that you've put on my heart that I'm seeing that I want to see come to pass, but alas, not my will, but your will be done. How is he able to do that? And what does it look like once you make that request? A lot of times what we do is we ask God to do something great in our relationship and then we expect him to do exactly what we asked him to do in the way that we asked him to do it when we asked him to do it. But God says, what I really need you to be able to do is I need you to stop trying to be in control and I need you to trust me that my goodness is on the way in ways that you can't even imagine or see. And what I'm gonna ask you to do, not necessarily what the Lord is asking you to do, it is what it says in his word, but me as your pastor, what I'm asking us to be able to do is to carry through on the heart of Jesus as we long for connectedness before we see God through, that we choose to do the fifth thing that we see from the heart of Jesus. We choose to praise. 
not after we see God come through, not after he restores my relationship to my spouse, not after he fixes my relationship with my teenager or changes their heart and and brings them back to the Lord, not after my parent takes my phone call and, and there's restoration and we're all sitting around the Thanksgiving table and everything's all good and our family's back together in one space in one place, not after he sorts out my financial troubles and struggles and things going on from the last year, I will choose to praise your name in confidence and in faith from what I have seen of knowing that your goodness is on the way and I give control over to you as to what that's gonna look like. And you know what's crazy is, is that we don't get to control what that's gonna look like, when, distra- when disconnection is gonna happen. And we don't get to control the outcome of how God's goodness is going to happen and what it's gonna look like. But one of the things that we can find as we see in the heart of the psalmist all throughout the Psalms is we can find peace when we stop trying to have control and we give control of our relationships to the Lord. That's when we can breathe. God, I can't change my spouse's heart, but I can find peace by knowing that your goodness is on the way because your goodness has been revealed throughout all time. You have never failed in the past, and the people who put their trust in you, you have not failed me when I've put my trust in you, and you will not fail today. God, I can't change the heart of my teenager, but I'm believing I'm gonna praise your name because I'm gonna give control over what you're doing in my kids' lives to you. I give them to you, and I will praise your name in expectation of your goodness that is on the way. Just a few weeks ago, a level of disconnection and trauma hit my family and and a disconnect from the Lord. You see, as believers, we know what it's like to connect with God on a daily basis, right? We know what it's like to have a prayer life where we're speaking with God and hearing back from him and developing that kind of relationship of where God is our father, but he's also our friend, he's our coach, he's our, he's our, our, our constant, he's our counselor. He's with us and we, we go through things, we journey through our life and we engage with him in conversation. But a few weeks ago, I shared with you some of this story in the past that I, my sister-in-law was at home and suddenly collapsed. And she was having a stroke of some sort. No one was at home with her for several hours. And then by the time people got home, she had not had oxygen flowing uh, to her brain for several hours. We got a text message out and I remember the text message hitting me and being like, going from having a conversation with God of just normal connection with him to all of a sudden when tragedy tragedy struck through her stroke, instead of connecting with God, all of a sudden I was pleading with God as though someone who had never met him before. God, uh, do something. God, I'm asking you to to make a miracle. God, if you could just, and when I finally got quiet just enough for even a second, God said, where did you go? Why did you stop talking to me? I'm right here. And I had to be honest with God, because God, I don't know what to do right now. God, I feel like you're far. All of a sudden, when tragedy struck, I feel like I'm all of a sudden out here on my own and I don't know what to do. But when I stopped and just gave God room to speak into my circumstances, I felt like he gave me the opportunity to just pray for mercy for my brother's family, mercy over my wife's situation. And I started praying that, God, mercy, 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 mercy. Please do something amazing in this circumstance. God, please don't let my nieces and nephews grow up without a mom, all eight of them. God, please don't let my brother who lost his mom when he was 18 years old to grow, to now have to move and have to raise his kids through a relationship without having his wife there. God, mercy, 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 please, God. 
God, I've seen you come through in the past. God, I know that you are a healer. I know that you've done that. I just don't know how you're gonna do it here. The doctors are saying that it's hopeless. The life flight people are saying that when she goes, she's probably not gonna make it to the other side alive. God, there seems to be no hope, but I'm gonna put my trust in you because you have shown that when we put our trust in you, you always come through. I don't know what goodness is gonna look like here. I don't know that she's gonna be able to walk out of that hospital alive or that my nieces and nephews are gonna have their mom, but I do know, God, that because your goodness has constantly been revealed that goodness is on the way even if I don't understand what it's gonna look like. And speaking that with everything that I could muster without really believing it and being able to confess to God in that moment as, as I'm with my brother chasing the lifelight helicopter downtown, being able to say, God, we know that you're the God who heals but we need to be honest with you. We don't know what to do. We don't even know how to pray. We're afraid. We're trying to deal with our fears but God, if we, we just are lost here. We're completely devastated and completely trying to trust you at the same time. God, I wanna see you do something amazing in my teenager's life and I'm trying to trust you with them but I'm also terrified for the decisions that they might make and how that might impact their life and so God, I'm trying to put my trust in you, but I'm also devastated at the same time. I'm trying to let you know that I feel far from you. And God says, that's right where you need to begin to see me work a miracle of connectedness in your life. You got to start right there. And so we continued to pray as a family and asking God, God, if it be possible, work a miracle in this situation. Bring my sister-in-law back to life, God. Bring her back to movement. Let her speak again. Let her begin to feel her toes and her legs again, God. Bring brain activity into, into the light. We pray that you work such an incredible miracle that the doctors wouldn't be able to take credit, that the medicine wouldn't be able to take credit. God, would you do something great here? And we weren't afraid to ask God, even though it seemed bleak and we didn't know what was gonna happen. We still asked God for what it was that we wanted. And then we made a commitment as a family as we were praying for these things to say, and I heard my brother say it as I was with him, as, he was, as we were chasing the life flight helicopter, he said this, he said this prayer, and I'll never forget it. He said, God, I am asking that you bring my wife back to life. But God, I give you to her. Not my will, but your will be done. My wife belongs to you first and foremost. I will praise your name no matter what happens. God, if you take her, we will praise your name. And if you bring her back to life, we will praise your name. Eight hours later, as we had left the hospital, it was COVID, so of course no one could be in the room with her and we're just hoping. Eight hours later, after not having blood to her brain for over 10 hours, my brother gets a phone call from his wife because God healed her and is continuing to heal her. My mom passed away from breast cancer when I was 11 years old. Where was this healing then? <laughs> it's right here. It's in the confidence of seeing God work all things together for good. When my mom passed away, it wasn't good, and we prayed just as hard for my mom as we did for Marissa. But don't you see, when you put your trust in God, you can find peace because God is able to work goodness no matter the circumstances. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Parents, listen to me. No matter what your teenager is going through, 
even if you can't see the path for them to experience all the things that you've longed for them to see, God's goodness is on the way. Married couple who's going through struggles and you can't see the passage, the path back to God's goodness and connectedness, know that God's goodness is on the way. I can't tell you that means that your marriage is gonna be restored today when you choose to praise his name, but what it looks like to have the heart of Jesus, if you wanna find peace today, you can find that. If you wanna find a new level of connectedness with God today, you can find that and it comes from praising God before he comes through. And that's when you receive. You see, because you praise and then you receive. What do you receive? You receive peace from the promise that God's goodness is on the way. Do you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and the Bible says that people would walk by and they would send mockery up to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, look at you up there on that cross. You said you were the savior of the world, the king of the Jews. You said you'd tear down the temple and in three days you'd rebuild it again. So then why don't you get yourself down off that cross and do something about it? Don't you feel sorry for those people who mocked him on Friday that didn't understand that Sunday was coming? When Saturday was silent and even the disciples began to doubt and were in despair wondering, what do we do now? Don't you feel sorry for the disciples' doubt that as Saturday was silent that they forgot that Sunday was coming? Don't you wish that they would have been able to wait one more day to see God's goodness come to pass? Do you remember the passage in Luke 24 verses one through three when it says this, but very early on Sunday morning, after the tragedy of Friday, after the silence of Saturday, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but they didn't find the body of their Lord Jesus. God's goodness had come. It had been revealed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when you put your trust in God, it comes from not being able to determine the outcome, but what you will do is you will find peace and remembrance that God's goodness is on the way. Married couple, I don't know what's gonna happen and how you're gonna work through your discourse, but I can promise you this, God's goodness is on the way. Parents, I can't tell you exactly what kind of hurts and pains that your teenager's gonna have to go through in order to experience and to see what God's plan is for their life. But I can promise you this, we can put our trust in God. He is a firm foundation because goodness is on the way. Teenagers, I can't help you be able to get through your depression and your anxiety and all those things just by a single word, but I can ask you to put your trust in Jesus and to find peace in the hope of the fact that he is a firm foundation that you can have confidence in this no matter what you're going through today. His goodness is on the way. That's what I know. That's the truth of what is, and that's revealed in scripture. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? because his promise is clear to us as to why we can praise him in the middle of the storm. Because after the disciples saw Jesus and he ministered to them for about 40 days and then he ascended into heaven, Jesus said, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem because seeing me having resurrected from the grave as good as that was, it's only part of the goodness. There's more goodness on the way. Wait here till Pentecost. And when Pentecost came, if you know the story, that's when the Holy Spirit came and filled the room and fell upon the disciples. And those who had doubted were now full of faith and confidence. 
And they began to go out into the streets and speak the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And everyone who was hearing the good news who had gathered from all the nations of the earth were hearing them in their own language. And then Peter spoke out this truth into the middle of their hurt, into the middle of their confusion. He reminded them of this promise that we can hold to in the middle of the storm. He said this to them. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God because goodness is on the way. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ from your faith because goodness is on the way for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The peace that goes beyond understanding comes from the gift that Jesus said when he said, I give you and I leave you with peace. A peace the world cannot understand. A peace that comes from, though we don't know how God's gonna work through this circumstance, that we can trust him with our wife, we can trust him with our husband, we can trust him with our teenagers, we can trust him with that disconnection because peace comes from the knowledge that goodness is on the way. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Know this, have peace. My goodness is on the way. Let's fight for connectedness the way we saw Jesus live for connectedness on the cross. God revealed his goodness at just the right time. I know for many of you, you're hurting in this place. I'm gonna ask you to do something in just a moment to muster up whatever faith that we can to choose to praise God before he comes through from a place of confidence that his goodness is on the way. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we wanna show that we love you by from our weakness, allowing the peace that comes from the confidence of having seen what you have done to bring us as a church to a place today where we praise you in the middle of the storm. Being able to hold on to the promise that goodness is on the way. That's where we can breathe out the anxiety. That's how we can breathe out depression, fear, guilt, and shame. Because the message of Jesus Christ has filled our hearts. The power and the presence of your Holy Spirit has indwelt us and it reminds us that though we cannot see the way, that that sea is about to be split he's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way. Your goodness is on the way. We love you, God. We claim that together today. We choose to praise in the middle of our storm. We love you. It's in your sons and we pray, amen. You can be seated for just a second. Hey, I want you to know that this is the part of our service where we give back to God of our tithes and our offerings. And church, may I just say to you, man, do I love you. 800 teenagers were able to gather this weekend in hotels in the pavilion and hear from the word of God because of your faithfulness. I love you. 
God is on the move and he's working through your tithes and your offerings and I'm just so grateful for it. I want you to also know that Woodlands Worship wrote a song kind of from the inspiration of what God's doing in the heart of our church. And Stephen's gonna share with you a little bit more about that. But I just want you to know that so much of this is coming from the inspiration, from receiving and seeing what God is doing in each of our lives as we choose to trust him before he comes through. That's the best time to be a giver is when we're having to put our faith in God to say, God, this is my praise to you that I'm able to say to you, before you come through, I'm gonna put my trust in you. And there's lots of different ways to give. You can give on your smartphone through our Push Pay app and you can give in a box on your way out. But give from a place of faith and confidence that God's goodness is on the way. It will be revealed. He loves you. I love you. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings. God, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We praise you because we believe with our whole hearts everything that we can muster up. If not our whole heart, with every bit of our heart that we can spare. Your goodness is on the way. We know that there's a renewed connectedness with you on the way. So God, before we feel it, we will praise your name because we belong to you. We love you, it's in your sons and we pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.